Let's do this. I'm Farzim Masugi, and welcome in to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I greatly appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode. Fun show planned for you. We've got Benjamin Albright of Mile High Sports in Denver. He will be joining me in just a couple of minutes to start off the podcast as we talk about the Chiefs and Broncos, as well as the AFC West and some NFL news uh, in this episode. So a lot to get into with Benjamin Albright. He'll be joining me in just a moment. And of course, we will preview the game between the Chiefs and Broncos, the first home divisional game of the season. That'll take place on Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. If you guys want to interact with me, facebook.com slash Farzivisugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook as well as give me a follow on Twitter at Farzine21. And also my email, Farzine at Farzinevisugian.com. And there will not be a Facebook Live video this Sunday. Uh, I'll be uh, on vacation Sunday, so I'll be out of town. Uh, I'll likely get a a chance to watch the game and I'll, I'll still be able to post. Uh, but not enough to be able to follow the game closely uh, to be able to provide a good quality uh, live video at halftime and after the game. So no Facebook Lives on Sunday. So be aware of that. We will do a Facebook Live video the following week against the Cleveland Browns. So uh, if you enjoy the Facebook Live videos and you're disappointed by that, I apologize, but we'll be back the following week against the Browns. I'm sure you guys can take one Sunday off uh, without me at least. You guys can do that for sure. Uh, real quickly, I do want to get uh, uh, into our conversation with Benjamin Allred, but I do want to start off this episode by talking about something that Monday Night Football has been doing. Everyone is aware of the Booger McFarland cam, uh, or whatever the hell that thing is called, the Booger McFarland mo- mobile, the Booger mobile, whatever it is. Uh, I, I think it's the worst idea I have ever seen in sports, and a lot of sports websites uh, if you type Burger McFarland on, on Twitter, excuse me, the number one story that comes up is the fans getting uh, blocked. Their, their, their view basically turns to nothing. And I, I was wondering, when I do watch these Monday Night Football games, how high up is he? I mean, how does that whole thing work with him and, and, and people who are watching games behind him? Well, it turns out that if you sit a, a, in one of the first few rows your view will definitely get blocked. And who knows? I mean, maybe it could be for a few minutes or, or, or whatever, but they do have a television screen behind uh, his little set or whatever the hell that thing is. But here's the thing, man. I, I If there's a camera, if they have one of those taller uh, little machines that move around the uh, camera guys, who are uh, behind the uh, team's uh, bench on the sidelines. That's one thing, because those guys end up moving eventually. But to have Booger McFarlane there, completely blocking your view with a TV monitor behind him, listen, I think anyone who's been to a sporting event before knows that if you are going to watch a sporting event, you can watch it at home. You're not going to want to watch the television screens there. No, that's ridiculous. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, if you're sitting front row on one side of the field and if the football action is on the other side, that's a different thing. Yeah. You, you might have to watch screen to get a a better view to see what's happening exactly, but you won't be doing that the entire game. And I get this is not happening the entire game either, but this is another element into why you shouldn't go to a Monday night football game now, because Booker McFarland needs his uh, horrible 15 seconds to Analyze the game when he's he's not even on the on screen that long. 
whatever you're doing, you can easily just have your own press box, your own little booth in one of the broadcast booths and just simply do your broadcast that way. You don't have to be on the side. You're not interviewing anybody. So there's absolutely zero reason for him to be on the sidelines like that, blocking views for people who are paying a lot of money to see events. And again, look, this is why I'm not a big fan of attending sporting events anymore. Uh, And not specifically because of the Monday Night Football thing. It's more because the home viewing experience is just a lot better. Occasionally, I'll go once in a while. But, man, I mean, add in the fact that they do this for Monday Night Football. Ticket prices are a little bit more expensive because the team is doing better and it's a primetime game. But you have this happening. uh, It's completely unacceptable. Teams should not. NFL teams should speak up against this. And, listen, I think ESPN should have some some manners and decency and say, hey, look, a lot of people are, are wanting to watch these games. We can have Booger McFarlane be elsewhere and doing the same thing. I I, I never saw, uh, oh gosh, his name is, escapes my mind right now. Uh, he used to do Sunday Night Football monologues at halftime. Um, uh, gosh, his name is going to come back to me afterwards, but um, he always did the Sunday Night Football monologues. And he didn't have to be on the field. He was always doing it from the broadcast booth. Uh, Bob Costas, by the way, is who, I, who I'm thinking of. There's no reason for McFarlane to be on the field like that. There, I don't see the point. Uh, you're not interviewing anybody on the sidelines. You, you don't need a front row seat of it. Uh, essentially, all you're doing is just talking and blocking the view of a lot of people who are paying a lot of money for those front row or first few rows uh, for a primetime game. Uh, I think the NFL should step up as well and say, hey, look, get rid of that set and have him do it elsewhere. He can still give his horrible anal- analysis. I mean, there are a lot of bad ones, bad analysts out there, but it doesn't have to be in that way. So I definitely think the NFL needs to step up and uh, destroy that set and have him do it somewhere else where he's not blocking anyone's view of the game. Joining us right now on the Chiefs Zone Podcast, coming back, to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. A month later is Benjamin Albright of Mile High Sports in Denver. You can follow him on Twitter at Albright NFL. Does a lot of great stuff for uh, covering Denver sports, but also does a great job just uh, covering the NFL as well. Uh, a lot to get into with Benjamin Albright. Little time to waste. Benjamin, thanks for being on the podcast with us. Welcome back. How have you been? Uh, doing pretty well. You know, same stuff, different day. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Man, let's get started and talk about this Broncos team because... You look at what happened to them this season. They started 2-0. They dropped four consecutive games, one of them, of course, of course including uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. They just snapped that big losing streak coming off a big 45-10 to win on the road. Uh, as a matter of fact, both Kansas City and Denver coming off 45-10 wins on primetime. Go figure. Uh, but uh, that's uh, what they just had. And, of course, uh, you know the, the big story with Mike McCoy getting ousted. I mean, I'm sure some Denver fans had some enjoyment in that. I saw some tweets on social media from Denver fans saying, hey, look, we should run up the scoreboard uh, on Mike McCoy. Uh, but, but with that aside, what's the feeling like in Denver uh, as the Broncos just snapped that big losing streak and had a big win on, on primetime football? Um, you know, I would suggest there's some ca- cautious optimism um, that maybe the team's finally coming together. Um, you know, I think that they recognize that they don't really probably have a division winner on their hands this uh, uh, this season. Um, but, you know, the, the defense finally shored up some, some errors they'd had last couple of weeks, getting up 600 combined yards to Isaiah Crowell and Todd Gurley, which is absurd. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, 
I think the offense, um, you know, maybe give them a, give them a little shot in the arm, uh, put up some points like that. So, um, you know, I, I think there's some cautious optimism. The team played Kansas City very well in the last matchup. Now, granted, that was in Denver, but, uh, you know, they, they in the first half, they actually had the lead in that game. Well, in the third quarter, um, and then, uh, you know, Vance Joseph turned the defensive play calling duties over to Joe Woods and everything kind of imploded from there. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, I, I think that they've got a, uh, had a pretty decent game plan in that first game. I think they learned some things and I think they're looking forward to what they feel like should be a competitive football game. You mentioned the Broncos did have the lead uh, on the Chiefs in the first half. That was actually the first time the Chiefs trailed in a football game all season. It first came against the Denver Broncos. Uh, I remember uh, last time when you were on the podcast, I asked you uh, about your thoughts with Case Keenum and what I had seen from Denver fans on social media, uh, I guess some of the overreaction, and you thought it was kind of unfair uh, to, to judge and to want him out so quickly. Uh, but in that game, uh, he had an opportunity to pretty much nullify Kansas City's comeback with a touchdown pass, and I can't remember who it was. You you probably remember better than I do. I, I want to say it was Demarius Thomas wide open uh, near the corner of the end zone. Uh, all he had to do was just walk it in a few more yards, but uh, completely missed him. And a lot of Denver fans, uh, I looked at the Broncos' uh, official Facebook page, a lot of fans were pissed off about that, and understandably so. Uh, I'm curious if your opinion on Case Keenum has changed a little bit, uh, if you feel more positive about him or negative about him. Where do you stand right now with Keenum? Well, in my opinion, it hasn't changed. He's a guy that can win you football games if you're if you're willing to play to his strengths. Uh, that particular play you're talking about was to Demarius Thomas on the the right side near the end there. Uh, and what happened was Demarius was supposed to uh, sell the out route, sell the flat out route, and then turn it upfield and hit the soft spot and cover two. Well, Demarius jogged out of his break. Case Keenum threw the ball to the spot where Demarius should have been, and Demarius wasn't there yet. Uh, you know, fans just see the quarterback and the wide receiver miss each other and blame it on the quarterback. But, you know, if you get the all 22 and put it on, the reality was that was on Demarius Thomas, which is part of the reason he's being shopped right now. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, Keith Keenum is a quarterback you can win with. He's not Tom Brady, uh, but you can win with him if you've got the right cast around him and you play to his strengths. And the problem is the Broncos don't do that. Keith Keenum is the number two quarterback in the NFL off of play action over the last two seasons of football. The Broncos utilize play action the least of any team in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, I just don't understand this Broncos offense in the sense that um, they've got one of the strongest rushing attacks in the league, and they utilize it barely 30% of the time. Uh, and then they're a team that's got a great play action, boot action quarterback, and they don't run play action or boot action. Uh, when they did against Arizona, it went for long touchdowns. So, uh, you know, again, there's it's a, it's a question of playing to your player's strengths. Case Keenum's not going to put a team on his back, but you can win with him if you cater to his strengths. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the football for the Broncos for a couple of minutes. They had two pick sixes in the first quarter of a football game. First of all, when was the last time you have seen a defense get two pick sixes in the first quarter? Can you even think of one right now off the top of your head? Uh, when was the last time Nathan Peterman was starting? <laughs> okay, I, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, I, I may have forgotten about that, but uh doesn't happen that often. Um, I mean, looking at uh, that Denver defense and the game that it had, I think that's kind of a good building block for them coming into this game because everyone knows Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes and all those offensive players uh, out there. What does Denver do to at least try to stop this this Chiefs offense? Because they've been pretty great, but there have been times where the Chiefs have been almost silent for an entire half. Uh, it happened 
uh, in the first half against New England. Uh, he didn't throw a touchdown pass against the Jaguars. Uh, at the time, they had the number one ranked defense. Uh, what's your take on this defense, uh, the Broncos' defense, getting ready for the Chiefs' offense? Well, I think the Broncos actually set the blueprint for beating Kansas City, if you can if you can do it. And the blueprint is you've got to put pressure on Pat Mahomes, number one. Um, if you can put pressure on him, it doesn't give time for any vertical concepts for Kansas City to develop. Uh, and, and then that, that negates the speed of guys like Tyreek Hill or, or Travis Kelsey who can use that, you know, who can work the middle zone or Sammy Watkins. So uh, the first thing is, number one, you've got to get pressure. Number two, you've got to bracket those guys uh, and make sure they don't break off their routes into shallow crossers. Um, you know, Andy Reid likes to use those shallow crossers when the vertical stuff isn't there in an attempt to get those guys uh, that would speed the football and then let them create. So uh, I think what you have to do is kind of run a combination. Uh, you're going to run, you can run man under, or you can run some, you know, some soft zone at about the seven yard mark. Uh, you want to keep the play in front of you, um, you know, and so get after the quarterback, try to get him off the spot, try to harass him. And then the key is to stay fresh, that defense, stay fresh in the fourth quarter. So you're still able to get after him. The problem is we saw a very tired Denver Broncos defense in the fourth quarter uh, because the offense wasn't running the football and keeping the defense off the field. So the defense got back out there. They were gassed and that allowed Mahomes to go down the field and score a game winning stuff on him. So, you know, you have to be able to generate pressure early and often and keep your defense fresh for late when Pat Mahomes uh, is at his best. I think I want to ask you, uh, from someone who's outside of Kansas City, but within the AFC West realm, so to say, uh, what is your take on this whole Patrick Mahomes mania? Because I remember he was at a local hospital, and as he was exiting, all the employees and everybody at that hospital, I mean, everyone's pulling out their phones, and they're filming him, and the backup quarterback says they're leaving the hospital, of course, doing it through a charity event. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen uh, ice cream stores in Kansas City, Benjamin. They, they have... Uh, some uh, red-flavored ice cream, and they're calling it uh, Patrick Mahomes, essentially. Uh, I mean, it's really gotten out of hand. It, to the point now where they're showing uh, on Sunday Night Football his highlights from, what, uh, Little League basketball throwing a half-court shot. I'm just waiting at this point for them to show, like, his uh, second-grade highlights during recess playing kickball, hitting a grand slam or something. Uh, what do you make of the uh, the media hype around Patrick Mahomes right now? Well, anytime you've got a personable young guy who's, you know, who's doing outstanding things and exceeding expectation, that always leads to kind of a hyper mania around it. You can look at, um, you know, the charismatic Jim Tebow uh, for a Denver example, something like that. Um, you know, I think Pat's certainly a better quarterback than Tebow ever was. So, uh, you know, I think some of that's some of that's justified. I think a lot of the people are just excited, especially people in Kansas City who, you know, haven't had a, a first round quarterback drafted by the team since Todd Blackledge in '83, uh, and he wasn't highly successful. I mean, Bill Kenny took the starting job from him in the '80s uh, before you know handing it off to other guys later. So, um, you know, I think Kansas City is excited about having a star uh, at the quarterback position, which they haven't really had. Uh, outside of a couple of years of, uh, you know, um, the end of Joe Montana. So, you know, I think, uh, I think it's, I think it's warranted. I think it's, it's fun. I don't think it's, it's harmful or has been harmful that I've seen. No, no, not at all. I, I guess from, from me, from my standpoint, it is kind of crazy to see that, you know, the quarterback from my team and for a lot of people listening to this podcast, it, it is, uh, I guess kind of an e- eccentric feeling, so to say, but, but I do like the Tebow comparison. Uh, I, I didn't thought of that. I do remember, uh, how crazy it got, especially after that, after that Pittsburgh win, uh, in, in the playoffs. Um, I, I did want to ask you about, uh, this division right now, because at the beginning of the season, 
a lot of people said this AFC West is wide open. A lot of people were excited that, excited that Denver was getting Case Keenum because he had gotten very far in the postseason last year with the Vikings. Uh, the Chargers, I mean, they have uh, Philip Rivers, who was probably the most proven quarterback coming into 2018. A lot of people were excited for Mahomes, but there was also that whole uh, concern of what if he doesn't pan out or he doesn't live up to the hype. And then the Raiders, they've been kind of up and down the past couple of years with Derek Carr and, and trying to bounce back from that injury he had in 2016. Uh, what do you make of how the divisions unfolded through seven weeks of the season so far? Well, you know, the Raiders were expected to be in last, and they kind of are. Um, you know, they're, they're a terrible football team. It's time for a rebuild to move to Vegas. Uh, you know, I think Denver's not been as good as maybe people expected. Um, I think they expected them to cater a little more to their uh, the strength of their quarterback. They haven't done that. You know, consequently, they've been losing football games uh, because they put Case Keenum in spots where he's not, you know, prepared to excel. Um, I think people underestimated uh, exactly what it was Pat Mahomes was bringing to the table. I think they thought they'd have some growing pains with a, you know, ostensibly a rookie starter. Uh, the fact he only had one start last year, um, that it would take some time for him to adjust, but it hasn't. Uh, and then, you know, the Chargers took him a little bit to get going, but they're on fire right now. Um, they're a monster of a football team. And I think people are underestimating them. How do you think things pan out in the AFC? Because uh, the Patriots and the Steelers both both got off to bad starts in 2018, and now they're catching up. Uh, the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken, they have a three-seed at the moment, and the Patriots have a two-seed right behind Kansas City. They do have that tiebreaker, of course, from last week's Sunday Night Football game. Uh, how do you see the AFC panning out? And do you still think the, the Chiefs win the AFC West, or do you think the Chargers will uh, come, come through and uh, take over? I think it's a two-horse race. Uh, Kansas City stumbles, and Chargers can pick that up. It's tough for them to make up that kind of ground, especially since you know Kansas City already beat them once. Um, you know, I think that uh, I, you know I think it's a two-horse race. I, the rest of the AFC, uh, you know, it's it's a little too early to start making those kind of prognostications. I think we can all safely bet that New England will be there in the end. Um, you know, as far as that goes, that the AFC South is going to have one of those teams fumble their way into winning that division. Um, and then, uh, you know, the North is, is a little interesting, too. Um, I think we all think Pittsburgh's probably that team, uh, Baltimore, uh, probably those teams. But, um, you know, it's just a question of, you know, which one emerges, whether it's the offensive juggernaut in Pittsburgh or the defensive juggernaut in Baltimore. Last thing I wanted to ask you, and I do want to, before I do ask this, I do want to let people know we're recording this Monday afternoon, so something could change by this point, although I, I will say, I, I think if it would have happened this week, it would have happened by now, but I saw a tweet you put out on Sunday uh, that uh, you know uh, from a source that Hugh Jackson might not make it to the to the bye week, if I remember that correctly, if that was the tweet you wrote. Do you think that's fair? Because I understand the Browns are still a bad football team, but they've been very competitive. I mean, two wins, that's already more than what he's had in seasons before in a short time with the Browns, but I feel like they've, they've made some progress this year. They're at least a very competitive football team compared to the past couple of years. Do you think it would be fair for him to be terminated? Well, I think it'd be very fair. Um, yes, they've been more competitive, but with the roster that they've assembled, they should be winning more. Uh, and if you look at situational football, Hugh Jackson has taken points off the board and attempts to do other things, and uh, you know, and that has that has backfired on them. They, they, you know, they passed on a field goal at the half, um, you know, yesterday, and attempts to try to get a touchdown and uh, you know, quote unquote, spark the offense. Well, you know, the problem with that was those three points would have come in handy there at the end of the game, and it wouldn't have been an issue. They would have won. Uh, so, you know. You can't you can't pass up points 
um, you know, when you're, when you're trying to win football games, you know, I mean, I, I get the gamble, I get trying to do all that kind of stuff, but, um, if you're first, you're in the first half, you can't pass up points in a football game. Uh, and it's not the first time he's done that. So, uh, you know, I, then he was playing hide, refused to play Chubb. Um, you know, there's, there's just, there's just quite a bit going on there. And I think that, um, him trying to be the players friendly guy, instead of, uh, you know, being uh, a disciplinarian head coach, which is what Cleveland needs to instill championship culture. Uh, I think is just not working out. Uh, I, I just wanted to get one more question out of you uh, before we let you go. Uh, I, I don't know if you uh, are getting no, no, notifications on your phone about this or if you're seeing this. Uh, th- this is the uh, technology we have here. I mean, we're doing this on a podcast. First round pick to the Oakland Raiders for wide receiver Amari Cooper now leaving the AFC West. I'm- the Oakland Raiders for wide receiver Amari Cooper now leaving the AFC West. I'm curious what your immediate reaction to that is. Well, Dallas have been after Cooper for a minute. Um, they've had struggles, you know, on the offensive side of the football. The Raiders are obviously loading up for a rebuild, um, you know, as far as that kind of stuff goes. If, if I'm a team without a quarterback, if I'm if I'm Jacksonville, I might I might see what it costs to bring in a Derek Carr uh, at this point. Uh, it's obvious Oakland's trying to completely retool, and you know, you could get a you could get a serviceable quarterback out there to help you out. So I I think that it's a fire sale in Oakland, and now's your chance to you know to kind of get on board if you're um, you know, if you're a team that's looking for a missing piece. Very interesting stuff. He is Benjamin Albright of Mile High Sports in Denver. Give him a follow at Albright NFL. Benjamin, appreciate you uh, giving the time uh, twice this season coming back. Definitely appreciate you uh, coming back on, and I'm sure we will have you on again sometime in the future. Uh, we will keep in touch, and I'll uh, talk to you later. Thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Take care. There you have it. Benjamin Albright, off he goes. Mile High Sports in Denver. Give them a follow at Albright NFL. We'll touch shortly on the game between the Chiefs and Broncos. Uh, not going to get too much into that game. And generally, you know, a lot of times, uh, and I've said before, the hardest thing about this podcast is discussing preseason games. Outside of that, it's doing games again uh, on these uh, preview episodes when you've played the team already before, and more specifically divisional opponents, especially in a short amount of time. And obviously the Chiefs and Broncos have played each other now, or they will have played each other twice before the end of October. Whereas the Raiders, you don't even see them until after the bye weekend for the Chiefs. That is late in the season. So, uh, but, but but the Broncos, we'll get into that and more so go over the key players because I think the key for both teams, it's going to be very simple. It really is. And sure, maybe head coaches, they view game plans obviously far differently than we do as fans and spectators. Uh, But I think anybody who has even just the tiniest knowledge of the game of football, and if they've followed the Chiefs and the Broncos, there's really one one key factor and one big game plan for both teams going into that game. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But real quickly, a lot of you guys have been asking me. I've gotten a lot of emails about this as well as uh, tweets and Facebook posts about this. A lot of people are asking about Patrick Peterson, the cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals. We discussed this a little bit last week. It was last Sunday. That reports came out that the Cardinals are fielding any trade offers that teams might be interested for Patrick Peterson. A lot of people want to know, is there any shot that he comes to Kansas City? Lots of people in the national media, uh, a lot of times uh, you'll see these lists, you know, the the 10 uh, reasonable destinations for player X to be traded to. And a lot of people that have created lists like that, Kansas City is included on that list as 
possible and reasonable destinations for Patrick Peterson. However, there haven't been any reports, no rumblings from guys like Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, uh, you name it, all these national guys out there uh, that have uh, written up a report about the Chiefs wanting to acquire Patrick Peterson. Now, sometimes with these uh, with these rumors, occasionally some of these rumors end up being true, and then sometimes there are teams that completely come out of the blue and they end up becoming the heavy favorites, and they actually end up getting the uh, the player that no one expected them to acquire. So, take that for what it's worth to you. Uh, the Chiefs, as far as their cap uh, cap space goes, three point nine million left in their uh, cap room for 2018. Uh, To be exact, $3,971,796. Okay, I I mean, I I don't know exactly what the Chiefs would have to give up to be able to make that move successfully. Patrick Peterson has a uh, cap hit of nearly $15 million just this season alone. Uh, So you would need to restructure some sort of a deal. But the Chiefs, as far as being able to make that trade, if they can restructure a couple of contracts with specifically Justin Houston and Eric Berry, I don't think that ends up being the case. Uh, They do have the draft picks to make the move. They've got a first-round pick. They've got two second-round picks and a third-round pick. So you've got a lot of draft picks in the uh, first couple of days, and more so with those two uh, second-round picks. That could help make that trade possible. But again, I don't see that as a realistic shot uh, because I, I don't know if Houston nor Barry would agree to restructure their deals. Uh, they probably should, but we can sit here and say a hundred times that they should restructure their contracts, but if they don't agree to it, then they don't have to because, hey, that's what they signed off on. And, and look, uh, we can blame John Dorsey for that as well, but what's happened has happened already. So realistically, I don't think there is a reasonable shot at the Chiefs getting Patrick Peterson. With that said, I do want to move on and get to this game between the Chiefs and the Broncos Sunday afternoon at Arrowhead. Uh, Obviously, look, this team had the Chiefs up against the wall going into the fourth quarter, and the Chiefs had to rally, and not only did they have to rally to win, they needed some some big luck on their side because Case Keenum, and I know uh, with uh, what Benjamin Albright said, uh, you know, it was not really on Keenum, it was more on Thomas, but listen, at the end of the day, when there is a wide-open player like that, the quarterback and the receiver have to connect. I don't care who the blame is on that. Let's not blame it. Let's just blame b- both of them, uh, I guess, to, to, to avoid controversy. You've got you've to come away with that play. And every single football fan will see that and say, look, you get paid a lot of money to play pro football. And you've got to make that connection. The receiver's got to be there, and the quarterback's got to make that throw. So... Uh, the Chiefs did have some things. You never take teams lightly in the NFL, especially if a team that you see twice a year, uh, they know you just as well as you know them. So there are uh, a lot of things to, to, to consider right there. With that said, looking at Denver's offense, 14th in total offense now, 19th in the passing game, 8th in rushing, a top 10 rushing team. They're 19th in points per game with 23.6. And look, I'll just go straight to Philip Lindsay. Case Keenum, he's had a couple of things. He's had a couple of things go his way in the past couple of games. Three touchdowns, two picks, one pick in each of the last two games against the Rams and Cards. But the Broncos have to utilize Philip Philip Lindsay in this game more than anybody else. The Chiefs are 23rd in stopping the run, and you got Philip Lindsay, who's coming off a really good game against. The Arizona Cardinals, I mean, just a bad team overall. 
Uh, and I think as far as stopping the run, the Cards and the Chiefs have a lot of similarities there. Now, the Chiefs are coming off a much better game defensively, and I do want to get on that uh, subject in, in, a, in a second. Uh, but but you look at the Chiefs in this football game, uh, they're 23rd in stopping the run, as I mentioned. You look at the Broncos, if you look at their run-stopping defense, and I'll get into that in a moment, that's second to last in the NFL, allowing 148 yards per game. But as far as the Chiefs' defense goes, the Broncos would be absolutely crazy to not utilize Philip Lindsay and be and just go run heavy in this football game. You've got to. You've absolutely got to. Kansas City secondary has been great. Kind of an up and down season for that secondary and a banged up secondary too, uh, might I add. But gosh, you have to utilize Philip Lindsay in this football game. I'd be shocked if they didn't do that. Uh, yeah, sure, Kansas City's coming off a good game defensively, but I think we know that at the end of the day, is that did, did that mean that the Chiefs turned the corner, or did they just have one of those rare moments uh, as a defensive football team? I don't know about that, but I did mention I want to touch uh, about this defense uh, regarding coming off that game. If you look at Kansas City's schedule, and I read it in the last episode, they, they've got uh, the Broncos this weekend. They've got Cleveland next week. They've got the Cards the following week. Kansas City has a pretty favorable schedule when you look at who they're playing offensively the the next couple of weeks. Not a lot of great football teams, not a lot of threats. This defense has an opportunity to start doing better. Now, is it going to be against quality opponents? No, but I think this defense deserves that kind of a break. Listen, the Chargers have a 4-2 record. Their two losses are against teams above 500, one being the Chiefs, and the two, uh, or the four wins they have are against teams below 500. And listen, you never apologize for winning. I, I'm hearing Chiefs fans bring it up. People easily brought brought that up in 2013 in, in, during the 9-0 start, and Chiefs fans were upset about it. Look, you can only play who you play. You never apologize for winning or, or any kind of success you have. And at the end of the day, this this Chiefs defense, uh, if they can limit Philip Lindsay in this game, uh, I mean, gosh, if D Ford can go out there, and I know I bring up his name quite a lot in these uh, pregame uh, podcasts, but Gosh, I mean, he's your saving grace, essentially, on this defense right now. Orlando Skandrick, he's been playing better the past couple of weeks. Uh, You hope that he can continue to do well uh, at that quarterback spot. Uh, Kendall Fuller hasn't done too well. Steven Nelson, kind of an up-and-down year for him. Uh, So so hopefully the Chiefs defense, maybe they do find that corner and they can carry it over in these next couple of weeks against some subpar offenses, really. I think that's the most fair description. Maybe even a little bit too generous uh, of, of a... Description for a team like the Cardinals, but that's really what it is. Emmanuel Sanders, by the way, he had six grabs for 102 yards last week. Also had a touchdown reception and threw a touchdown pass on a trick play through it to Cortland Sutton. So this offense does have some playmakers, but gosh, uh, they have to go run heavy in this game. Because if that Chiefs defense, the bad defense comes back, Philip Lindsay can have a great game. If this Chiefs defense did turn a corner from last week's game against the Bengals then maybe the Broncos' offense could be in trouble and they might have a very hard time, especially on the road at Arrowhead. And the Chiefs haven't had a lot of games at home this year, only three. Uh, They only had two going into last week's Sunday Night Football game against the Bengals. So uh, you know, uh, Chiefs fans, they're stoked given the fact that this team's gotten off to a great start, the 5-0 start, the the, the Mahomes mania craze, all of that. Uh, So you know that's going to be a big factor, the 12th man at Arrowhead. Defensively, 22nd in total defense, 10th against the pass, 31st uh, against the run I mentioned earlier, and they've surrendered 13, uh, 23.4 points per game. That's 13th in the NFL. A couple of the uh, keynotes, 
Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, I mean, those guys have been playing lights out together. Three combined forced fumbles last week against the Cardinals. Miller had two, Chubb had one, each had a pair of sacks. Chubb had three uh, against the Rams a couple of weeks ago. Miller had one and a half sacks in that game. So these two guys have been playing very well together, and that's my only concern in this football game for Kansas City. Those offensive tackles for the Chiefs have kind of declined as the season's gone along, but with Mahomes' mobility, you don't want to rely on that every single time. But with Mahomes' mobility, thank goodness you have that, he'll be able to escape the the pressure when he needs to. He hasn't really been sacked a whole lot this season. He's been sacked eight times, uh, no more than two in a game. Uh, he was sacked twice in the San Francisco game. That was the home opener. And then he was sacked twice against the Bengals. The only time he was not sacked was against the New England Patriots. And as far as you know, his performance goes in that game, probably his worst first half, but had a phenomenal second half. So it kind of made up for it. And he still put the Chiefs in position to win despite his struggles uh, that he contributed to in the first half. But uh, regardless, uh, th- that's the only time he has not been sacked in a game this year was against the Patriots. Uh, I definitely do anticipate, uh, if I had to put money down, I think he does get sacked more than twice in this game, but I still think he'll do a lot in this game to put the Chiefs in position to win. Not a whole lot to say about the offense, but like I said with the Broncos offense, I think this Chiefs offense would be crazy to not go run heavy. Yes, I know you've got Patrick Mahomes and you have uh, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, uh, Travis Kelsey, Demarcus Robinson, Chris Conley. I mean, gosh, I don't know who I'm forgetting at this point as far as active players go. You've got everybody on this offense who can contribute in the passing game. Even your running back, Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt, had a really great game in the passing game this past Sunday against the Bengals on Sunday night. But I think occasionally you've got to give that arm of Mahomes uh, a bit of a rest. I know that may be an overrated factor because, look, they're in the NFL for a reason. Uh, But I don't think you... Uh, get you, you, you. I don't think there's any damage being done, or you get hurt from giving him a bit of a break as far as going pass heavy. And I, I was completely shocked, like a lot of people, as to why the Chiefs didn't pull their starters in the fourth quarter because they had they had a big enough lead at that point. I joked on social media and on the podcast that look, no lead is ever safe with Andy, but come on, uh, you, you've got to look after your players at some point. Uh, so hopefully the Chiefs. Uh, they go run heavy in this game. Because I'd like to see Mahomes throw the ball maybe 25, 30 times. Uh, you know he'll air it out like he usually does. But if you can get the hot hand with Kareem Hunt and even get a little bit of help from Spencer Ware, then I think, you, listen, you, you've you got your offense right there. You're probably going to get a big portion of your yards from the ground game if you go rush heavy. Because, uh, listen, I think any logical person looking at the stat sheet and looking at how these two teams have played... Kansas City's been great in rushing the football. Kareem Hunt, one of the best running backs this year. And Spencer Ware could easily be starting on another NFL team right now. And the Broncos' defense has absolutely been horrendous in stopping the run. Second to last in the league. So I've got Kansas City's rushing attack being a key factor, as well as Denver's rushing attack. Uh, But I think Kansas City's is going to be much better. With Phillip Lindsay, he does a lot of good things. Uh, Royce Freeman, he had a touch on last week against the Cards as well. But, uh, man... uh, I just don't think uh, Lindsey and Freeman compare to Hunt and Ware. I just don't think so. And I think it's pretty obvious why, considering where those two teams are as far as the rushing game goes. I think Kansas City can get at least 160 to maybe even 170 rushing yards per game. You look at uh, the Broncos, they're allowing 148 yards per game. And they're going to be playing one of the best 
rushing game, uh, rushing teams in the NFL. So that's a big, big thing to to to, to keep in mind. I've got Kansas City winning this football game in a blowout, uh, probably a similar score to that. Cincinnati game. By the way, I mentioned earlier, both teams coming off 45 to 10 wins, but I think uh, Denver will put up some points, maybe in garbage time, but I think Kansas City's offense is going to get the job done going into the fourth quarter. I've got the Chiefs winning this football game 42 to 21. Uh, Like I said, I I think a lot of Denver's points will come in the fourth quarter uh, when the Chiefs put in a lot of their backups and rightfully so. You've just got to do that. I think Kansas City's offense is going to take care of business. I think D. Ford can go out there, make some plays. This this defense, if they play like they did against Cincinnati, and I know that's a tall order, but we'll see if they turn the corner or not, or if that's just a rare, successful day for that Chiefs defense. 42-21. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And my email, Farzine at Farzine As far as the recap podcast goes, I forgot to mention this. Uh, it may come out a little bit later than I had said, uh, than I had, uh, anticipated last time. So it could be out on Tuesday morning, uh, at the, uh, latest or maybe even the soonest, who knows? Uh, so the, we won't have a recap podcast right away. I won't be able to do that. Like I thought I would, uh, due to Wi-Fi reasons, but nonetheless, uh, we'll have a recap podcast at some point. It won't be very long, uh, because right after that, we do have to turn around and do the preview podcast and that'll be kind of a short week for me, but uh, just giving you guys a heads up with that. Final score for me, 42-21. As I said, let me know your thoughts on that or anything else we have discussed on this podcast or we are about to discuss for our closing segments. Let's start by going around the NFL. The Oakland Raiders making a lot of noise. They traded away Khalil Mack. Right before the regular season got underway, now they've traded away Amari Cooper to the Cowboys for a first-round draft pick. Now, sure, I mean, th- this this season is a sinking ship at the moment. It's not even worth saving at the moment. They may get a couple of more wins. But the Raiders have three first-round picks for 2019. Likely will own the number one overall pick. And they've got five first-round draft picks in the next two years. Look, I, I know John Gruden, I, I mean, this season is just a lost cause. There's no way to rebound from this, but he does kind of have an opportunity to to bounce back and redeem himself if he plays his cards right, and it's really hard not to. I mean, you look at the draft picks, the Cowboys, are they going to be that much better with Cooper? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not holding a lot of hope out on that. The Bears, you might, I mean, look, you're, you're getting three first-round draft picks. I know the Bears pick, it'll probably be a little bit later in the 20s, but that's still pretty good considering what you're going to have to work with. Now, here's the other thing to keep in mind. Uh, all of these draft picks, let's say they all pan out. That's great. The dangerous part about it is it's going to cost you a lot of money. Now, I'll say this at the end of the day. That is a good problem to have than not. I think a lot of teams would love to have that problem, having all of these draft picks and all of them panning out. Odds are not going. Not all of them will end up being great players. I mean, look at Glenn Dorsey. And Brandon Albert, uh, two uh, players for the Chiefs in the top 15 in 2008. Not all of them, uh, and I'm referring to the entire draft class that year. Not all of them panned out. A couple busts, a couple uh, star players that were drafted later. So uh, there's a good chance for the, the Raiders to get some bright-eyed players. Uh, just depends on how John Gruden does it. And there's a reason why he was highly praised as an analyst and as a coach for the longest time when he worked those two jobs uh, as an NFL coach and as an NFL analyst. But... Jamal Charles, he was let go by the Jaguars 
uh, and he was with them for just a couple of games. Uh, he thanked them on social media. He admitted it might be the last time he puts on a jersey. Oh, look. I know Chiefs fans may not like hearing this, but Marshawn Lynch was recently placed on IR uh, for the Raiders. Would he be giving to give it one more shot in Oakland if they offered it to him? Look, I know Chiefs fans don't like to hear that, but if you're the player, all you can do is go after where the offer is. If they're offering you a contract and some money on the table, you got to go there. Uh, Now, the other thing is, would he decline this, not just because it's Oakland, but because of the fact that it could damage his legacy? I know it's not a fair way to judge athletes uh, who've had great careers, but all of a sudden they crash and burn in the last season or two. Uh, Maybe Jamal Charles wants to prevent that from his legacy. He does have the highest yard per carry average in NFL history. Uh, A very difficult thing to do, especially nowadays in a pass-heavy league. Uh, you know, some of those personal stats, they, they, they like to keep it to keep. I know on Charles's website, uh, he does have that listed on there that he has that right NFL record. So, uh, I can understand if he wants to prevent that, to keep that record and to, uh, not damage his, his legacy because, and again, I think it's unfair, but when pro athletes have a prolific career, but if they struggle immensely the, the past year or so, that's how they tend to be remembered the most, how they go out. And I think Charles wants to just let the last year with Denver and this year with Jacksonville just let it simply be and just maybe move on. Who knows? But I, I, I would not be surprised if there was any conversation at the very least about him going to Oakland. Last thing, uh, you mentioned the Jaguars. Doug Marone said quarterback Blake Bortles is on a short leash and has backup Cody Kessler ready if the Jaguars need him. Uh, here's an interesting thing. A lot of people pointed this out on social media. Would the Raiders be willing to trade Derek Carr to Jacksonville if they really want to continue this rebuild? Uh, and look, they managed to get a first-round pick for Cooper. What could they get with Derek Carr? And there's been some rumblings about him moving on. And look, I don't want to get into the whole uh, talk about him crying, taking a sack. I mean, I don't really care for that. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that he's being given a hard time for it considering what he's done for that franchise. Keep in mind, they were winless for the longest time his rookie season, and then he helped that team kind of get out of that slump, and unfortunately, they're back in it. Uh, but I don't think that's all on him only. I mean, there there's myriad reasons for that. Uh, but gosh, uh, you've got to wonder if Oakland would even consider the idea of trading away Derek Carr, adding in even more draft picks. Let's say they do get another first-round pick. I doubt they keep them all because it would be hard signing all those guys for contracts and for future instances, but you can do a lot with those draft picks. Either you keep them or you trade down and try to see what you can get or or, or trade them away and get maybe a young proven player out there that's that was a late round pick but doing pretty well and could come uh, be a contributor in Oakland. We'll see how that goes. That's a very interesting situation. I mean, you talk about uh, a general manager that's going to be busy. Uh, that Raiders front office, they're going to have their hands full the next couple of off-seasons with these draft picks. going to be very interesting to see how they rebuild. going to be very difficult to mess that up. Uh, so we'll see how that all shapes out in Oakland. Let's go out of bounds. Man, the Lakers off to an 0-3 start. LeBron James did say, not panicking, too much from that. And by the way, as far as the suspensions handed out from that fight, completely reasonable for those suspensions. A little bit surprised they didn't give out more games. Uh, but I think the league has to 
make a statement and say, hey, look, we're not going to tolerate these kinds of things in basketball games. There's just no way. No way they're going to allow that. So I like what the league did with that. Uh, but as far as the Lakers go, look, uh, LeBron James saying he, you know, he knew that this is going to take a while, that they weren't going to be blazing hot right away. I don't know if I believe that. Listen, at the end of the day, uh, if, if that basketball team has LeBron James, I think the expectation is certainly higher than what it is right now. If you said that they were going to start 0-3, nobody would have believed that. You would have at least thought that they would have had one win, at the very least, through three games. So, I don't know exactly why the Lakers, I mean, I know exactly why, just seeing these games, but uh, gosh, you've got to think that at the very least, this basketball team, and again, primarily led by LeBron James, uh, you, you've got to see a bit, a bit more. Now, I understand. Look, you, you can't even if you bring in the best basketball player, which is LeBron James right now. Uh, you're not going to turn into a championship contender. That's probably the thought process with LeBron on your team because LeBron's been in the NBA Finals the past eight years, wherever he's been: Cleveland, Miami, then back to Cleveland, and now in LA. Uh, although he hasn't been to a championship yet with LA, he just started with them. Uh, that is the standard right now in LA. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see if this continues. If this 0-3 start, if they don't bounce back from this anytime soon, uh, conversations there could get very interesting. Because you know LeBron's not going to play for a team that's struggling. He wa- he wants to play because he wants to be in the NBA Finals. So I'd be very interested to see how things go moving forward if the Lakers don't bounce back. Kansas, number one in the preseason poll. Last year, they were not number one uh, following the uh, national title game. And KU fans were angry about that. Uh, You know, oh, how are we not number one or number two or whatever the uh, postseason polls were, essentially. Uh, Look, I I don't take too much in these offseason polls or preseason polls. Uh, preseason polls probably mean a little bit more because they're closer to the season. But I'll say this at the end of the day, uh, KU doesn't have a lot of star power players this year. And nor did they last year it, compared to other years where they've been winning the Big 12. And they still got to the Final Four last year. They haven't been to the Final Four a whole lot under self. That was just a third time. And when I say a whole lot, I'm talking about to KU standards, if we're being honest here. Uh, but I think KU, man, I, I don't know if they can duplicate the success they had last year in the tournament. Uh, with this roster, uh, but you never know. I, I, we haven't heard about a lot of these guys. I, I know as a bookie's back, yeah, Souza might be a six man, might be getting some minutes as a starter. We'll see. Uh, but I just don't know if this KU team is going to hold on to that number one spot a whole lot this year. Uh, I still think they'll be one of the better basketball teams, don't get me wrong, but uh, a lot of unproven players, which kind of makes you wonder, and I don't follow college basketball too closely, I'll admit. But I've got to say, if KU's number one, kind of makes you wonder if college basketball is that wide open this year. If KU's number one with a lot of unproven players, guys who haven't played a whole lot in the past, I guess maybe there's an opportunity for really anybody to make not just play in the Big 12, but also in the tournament uh, as the season goes on. So I'd be very interested to see that uh, in college basketball this season. Uh, By the way, I I know I don't talk a lot of WWE. I know a lot of people uh, enjoy it. Uh, you, You either enjoy it or you don't. Uh, I used to watch it a lot as a kid. Uh, I'll follow up occasionally on some of the top stories. Like, I know Shawn Michaels is back. Uh, but WWE superstar Roman Reigns, his his real name, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Lidi Joseph Anoy. I'm, I'm sure I butchered that. But he did, uh, and I never watched the promo, but he did introduce himself with his real name in the ring. He had to relinquish his, his WWE belt uh, because he has uh, leukemia, which has, which has now come back to him. Uh, just a very sad story. And everyone in Kansas City, of course, knows about the story with Eric Berry and 
his battle with cancer and what he's done to get through and come back. Very sad story. That's that, that's nothing you ever want to hear. Uh, John Lester, also an, an, another remarkable story. Uh, you know, battling cancer and coming back, and I believe he had the same thing as Eric Berry Hodgkin's lymphoma. So. Uh, best of luck to him. I know he's a guy that generally gets booed, doesn't get cheered for a whole lot. He's the bad guy, so to say, the heel in uh, pro wrestling. But uh, it was nice to see pro wrestling fans just kind of drop that in appropriate moments and just you know give him an applause as he goes and uh, has his battle uh, with uh, against leukemia. Uh, just just one of those things you take lightly, and you certainly wish the best for him. I know he is one of the top guys in pro wrestling. Not too familiar with to what extent. Obviously, if he, if he was the uh, heavyweight champion, or I don't know what they call their titles anymore, the universal belt or whatever. Uh, obviously, he's one of the top guys in the company. So uh, hopefully, he can uh, make a, a strong recovery and be victorious in his battle and come back strong. Not done talking about WWE just yet, though. Let's throw some penalty flags. We'll go back to the WWE in just a moment, but I want to start with Conor McGregor, who uh, broke his silence, uh, not talking about that brawl that took place in the UFC recently, just talking more about the loss that he had. Really just a bad fight from Conor McGregor. Uh, You you want to say ring rust or not, because he was away from the the octagon for two years almost. Uh, But here's the thing. He's complaining about losing the fight round by round, breaking He had a really long Instagram post. And he basically said in the first round he won, which he didn't. Uh, he was completely dominated by Habib uh, in the uh, in the first round because of his wrestling. Well, whether you like that kind of st- uh, style of fighting or not, Connor did lose that fight in the first round. It's a lot like Nate Diaz. Who, hey, listen, Connor fans will always defend him, whatever he says, uh, and they'll always refute anything Nate Diaz says. Who is a rival of Connor's? Nate Diaz claims he won the second fight, which he obviously didn't. And here's Connor saying he won the first round, which he obviously didn't. Uh, you, you don't need to read the scorecards for that. It, it, it didn't go to the scorecards, but a lot of people know those scorecards still get posted online, uh, whether it goes to a decision or not. Uh, but but he's making all kinds of excuses in that post, uh, talking about you know what he could have done and whatnot. Look, at the end of the day, man, uh, he lost. And the trash talking that led to that brawl eventually, I mean, he always talks a big game and doesn't always back it up right. Look, this this guy kept talking about how his training camp was in a war zone. Well, I mean, Connor came out flat. The only round Connor won was the third one, and it was a narrow win for him in that round against Habib. Obviously, got finished in the fourth round. Uh, Connor got destroyed in this fight. He really did. And I think Habib and also Nate Diaz, who who defeated Connor in the first time, they, those two fought. Those two guys. Put out the basically the secret as to how you beat Connor. Connor is not very good with his stamina. A lot of his wins have come early in finishes. So uh, I think anyone that fights Connor McGregor from now on, uh, they know what to do. And, and I think this is going to be the decline of Connor's star power. I mentioned I go back to the WWE. Um, the next two topics, by the way, gonna get a little political, but that's okay. We'll get through them. Uh, in fact, they're actually kind of interesting. Uh, the, the first one here, WWE, everyone has heard about what's going on with the journalist and uh, uh, his death involving uh, Saudi Arabia and what happened in Turkey. I don't want to get too much into that, but it is a very controversial manner re- uh, regarding Saudi Arabia. 
the WWE, and I did not realize this, but they have some sort of a deal with uh, the Saudi Arabia Royals where they uh, go to Saudi Arabia for a, a big event once or twice a year. I, I don't know the details of that. But WWE did send out a press release basically saying they're still going to uh, they're still going to remain loyal to that deal and continue to do shows there regardless of what just happened. And listen, uh, I, I know there are a lot of WWE fans who want to criticize the NFL for those national anthem protests. Okay, at this point, you cannot support the WWE and criticize the NFL for, uh, oh, uh, I, I don't like the NFL. They protest during the anthem. First of all, I mean, people don't want to acknowledge why players do that or what the, what the solution could be for that. And we discussed that plenty of times on here. Um, but more importantly, and I've said this many times on here, it's so annoying that we see this a lot in our society. You just cannot have a double standard. You can't sit here and bash the NFL uh, or the players specifically for what they do and then... Turn around and, and support the WWE for it. Uh, in fact, I think what the WWE is doing is much worse by continuing to do shows there, considering the situation. And I don't know, you know, politically how that's going to, what's going to happen moving forward with the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, and if the WWE is going to have to back out of their deal. That would be very interesting to see. Uh, those kinds of things, unfortunately, that's when political uh, moments in, in sports. That's when they'll kind of clash. And I know people's opinion on WWE. Look, it does fall under the umbrella of combat sports. It does get covered on ESPN Bleacher Report because there is a big audience for that. So it does fall under the umbrella of combat sports. But you get the idea. It'll be interesting to see if they want to uh, keep that deal uh, moving forward, considering what's happened and what could go on in the near future. Okay, this one's not too political, but it is pretty funny. Uh, so for those of you who live in Texas, you guys are very familiar with this, but uh, Ted Cruz, who was running for president and his rivalry with Donald Trump uh, during the uh, uh, election race uh, got very interesting, uh, as I'm sure everyone was uh, aware of. But uh, he is running against Beto O'Rourke. Now, why am I bringing this up? Uh, Beto O'Rourke has been using social media uh, to pretty much promote himself because he's far behind in that race in Texas. Uh, and, and he's been using social media to uh, not just at his events, but also uh, on the road in his car by himself. He, he's doing this, by the way. So Ted Cruz decides to take a page out of Beto's book and starts to do a live stream with a radio host, I believe. And he has someone, intern Emily, uh, I believe, uh, basically sitting behind the um, the iPhone and is doing the Facebook Live. At one point... Uh, the video somehow just flipped vertically and Ted Cruz is complaining about it during the broadcast. At one point, the, uh, the intern, I'm guessing she's an intern, uh, but Ted Cruz kept calling her out as Emily. She accidentally flipped the iPhone to broadcast herself behind the iPhone, essentially. And you could hear her breathe. Oh my God. I mean, come on, look, I do, for those who join me for the Facebook Live videos, I do these videos at halftime and after the games all the time, and Ted Cruz was complaining about how difficult it can be. No, it's not. I use my laptop as basically like a surface so it can look right at me. That way, you know, I don't have to hold it with a hand. Uh, And for whatever reason, having someone holding it was rocket science for these guys. And then Ted Cruz was making jokes about how, you know, don't, don't call him to set up your Wi-Fi. Uh, look, I know this is not a fair way to judge someone as to whether or not, or not they should be elected into office. 
What if you can't get a simple live stream going? Uh, I mean, look, he, he, every, they're using this to promote themselves and to garner attention and votes. Uh, I don't think Ted Cruz did any favors for himself in, uh, in this live stream that he did. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, now this. Which they, they, they did a great job with politics, uh, sports, and I'm sure they've got other uh, topics that they ha- cover as well. Uh, they have a, a funny compilation of it set up uh, of all the times the live stream went wrong. Uh, it's absolutely hilarious. It's one of those things where when it's a politician involved, it's just one of those things that can, I'm sure all the late night comedians are going to take advantage of that as well. So funny stuff. Check it out on Now This. They've got the uh, full link of it and uh, a shorter version of it as well if you want to check that out. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. My name is Farzik Visugan. Thank you all for downloading and listening to the podcast. Big thanks to Benjamin Albright for coming back to the Chiefs on Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at AlbrightNFL. Follow me on Twitter at Farzik21. Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzik Visugan. No Facebook Live this Sunday for the uh, Chiefs and Broncos game. So no Facebook Live for that. We'll just simply do the post. I'll kind of keep it a little bit more minimal too. Uh, not going to be able to post as much, but still, I'll uh, post some things on there during the game. So give us a, a, a like on that. We will do a Facebook Live video the following week when the Chiefs and Browns play. So we will return and do our Facebook Lives at that time. You guys can also email me, farzine at farzinebasugian.com. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Spread the word. Let your friends know about the Chiefs on Podcast. Hit the share button as well. And spread the word for the Chiefs on Podcast. Greatly appreciated if you guys do that. Once again, big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to the Chiefs on Podcast. Enjoy your weekend. I will be out of the country, but I will be back and we will recap the game and also do our preview against the Cleveland Browns. Talk to you then. Take care.